0: David, your host. This is episode three of the Eternal Medicine podcast miniseries. This show is made in association with the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network, or AMEN, an organization for all medical professionals that will support you in integrating your faith into your medical field practice. Membership benefits include a subscription to the Medical Evangelist, a journal about the spiritual aspects of medical work. You can visit www.amensda.org to join and find more resources. In this week's episode, I will be talking with two nurses about the role nurses play in providing intervention during a spiritual crisis. I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome. Uh, I have Brianna and Barbara here with me. So let's get started by having you guys introduce yourself. Uh, Brianna, if you want to go first.
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Brianna. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for seven years now. Um, My background is mostly in critical care. Um, I've worked in several different ICUs, neuro, cardiovascular, medical, and surgical. Um, the past two years or so, I've um, started working in research, critical care research, um, pulmonary specifically, so that's been a really cool aspect of nursing that I've been able to dive into. Um, and I'm also in a family nurse practitioner program, so I'm going to school and working full-time in research. And it's been really fun, and it, the seven years have just flown by. It's really crazy.
0: Wow. It sounds like you enjoy
1: school. Yes, I I do. <laughs> I I do. I like school. It's it's fun. It's um I like to learn. I think that's what I like. I like to learn and really like my goal now is to kind of like try to become like an expert in something. So try to just further my knowledge in patient care. So.
0: Fantastic. Barbara, how about you?
2: Um I started as a tech in 1971. I retired three officially retired three years ago. So that's about 45 plus years that I've been in the medical field. Most of my experience was in critical care, um, mainly um, surgical ICU and open heart surgery. ICU. Um, the last couple of years of my career, I worked in an OBGYN office, and that was probably the most fun way to end my career. Because okay. it was just really fun to talk to pregnant women all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Those
0: sound like two very different settings. They
2: were. But you know, it um it was nice to end my career officially with less stress. Um I also did three years at camp as the camp nurse. Okay. So that was another way to kind of end. But I didn't really consider that a nursing job. Sure. It was more of a fun job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what have you been doing since you retired from the nursing field?
2: I've been going on mission trips. I've been to, um, Africa, um, a total of, I think, 10 times. Wow. And been to Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Panama. Okay. And then, um, I also, Um, went to Guatemala two different times. Uh, mostly did construction. I did, I was the, um, I'm usually the team medic. Okay. Gopher. And, uh, (laughs) whatever they need for me to be first aid, you know, safety officer, whatever. But I'm usually the, the, the team medic for like a construction site.
0: Okay. It sounds like you're very dedicated to sharing your faith even though you're retired. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, uh, in an earlier episode, we learned that it's helpful to think about this topic of faith sharing more in terms of meeting the spiritual needs of a patient rather than trying to share my personal faith. So I wanted to start with that. So my first question to you two is, would it be fair to say that nurses are often the first line of defense for addressing a patient's spiritual needs
2: I would say yes because we're usually the first medical person that they meet or see yeah. um and um it's interesting that this question was the first question when i first got out of tech school of nursing assistant school um, I worked at an Adventist hospital, mm. and we actually had prayer with the patients every evening before we they went to sleep. Really? We also oh. did we also did back massages whoever wanted wow. it. And for the most part, nobody ever turned us down as far as praying with them. Nobody ever turned us down for the back massage. I can see why. <laughs> Well,
0: that's really interesting. I never knew that that was a common practice in the medical field. That's interesting. But it seems like nurses are typically, you know, right there at the bedside with the patient the most. And I've even heard some nurses on their admission asking patients about religious preference right. or possible spiritual needs. So that's kind of what cued me into them being, you know, the the first line of defense there for a patient who may have a spiritual crisis going on. Um, in doing my research for this episode, I came across uh, Gene Watson's theory of human caring for nursing, and in the article I read, it said this includes the whole human, this theory of human, encompasses mind, body, and spirit. So would it be safe to assume addressing the spiritual needs of your patients is still expected by mainstream nursing community today?
2: The As I said, the last job that I had was in an OBGYN office, and um, I was actually in a little closet. I did triage, phone mm-hmm. triage. Um, and it was not something that we were really allowed to do. Really? But my boss, my immediate boss, told me if I would close the door, then I could do whatever. And I used to ask, because these are women who would call and thinking that they were in pre-labor, or they were having a miscarriage, or they were just, they were in a crisis mode. In distress. In distress. And so I would ask if I could pray with them. Wow. And nobody ever turned me down. All of them always wanted. Um But in general, it's really not something that nurses are allowed to do, at least up until my last position. Hmm.
1: Okay. I kind of share the same sentiments. I think it's one of those things, um, that theory in particular, it's one of the things that you learn in nursing school because nursing is all about treating the patient holistically. Yeah. Including all aspects, you know, including the spiritual. But as far as it being like an expectation of the nursing community, I it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because am I expected to go and like pray with them? Am I expected to go and talk about religion no in fact I would say in a lot of places they like kind of discourage that because mm-hmm. you know you don't want to offend anyone you don't want to like be out of turn speak out of turn so it's kind of this like delicate thing um but like the you know on the same token I guess I've, I've definitely asked patients if I could with them um or like you know like at the end like if I feel like I've bonded with them and you know kind of like made that connection I've in the past said like oh I'll keep you in my prayers if that's okay and I've never had a patient or family say no it's always been like a hearty yes so it's kind of like my the desire for me to do those things is there but there's a hesitancy to do that because I don't know it's kind of like a delicate subject I feel
0: yeah And that's kind of the culture we live in these Mm -hmm. days, you know, so maybe that's possibly where it's coming from, Mm -hmm. that apprehension to bring up those topics,
1: yeah,
0: uh, understandably. But it sounds like nursing, at least in the textbook, they want nurses to be aware of that aspect of their patients, Mm
2: -hmm. not
0: that you're necessarily out there addressing it on a daily basis. Mm Mm-hmm or even a weekly basis, but it sounds like they want nurses to be aware and be open to, you know, seeing those needs in their patients. Yeah. Would Mm -hmm. you agree with that? Yeah. I think it's
1: it's pretty established that, Mm -hmm. like... It's good for us for, for their healthcare team to consider their religious preferences and spiritual preferences and try to accommodate them if the patient wants, like, you know, call the chaplain if they want or like a clergy member who's like the same religion that they are. So um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> In all the conversations I've had so far, um, I found that most of their medical professions don't tend to really even acknowledge that aspect of the patient, mm-hmm. at least from the conversations I've had. And so it sounds like the nursing community is a little bit more aware that patients have that need sometimes, which is um, enlightening.
2: Well, in general, society has gotten to the point where you have to be very careful what you say. Of course. Yeah. And how you say it. And how you approach somebody. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you have to take all those things into consideration. Um, but yet there still is that aspect of nursing that, as a Christian anyway, I know that God is in control. Yeah. God is the, the great physician. He is the great healer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel very, um adamant that he wants us to have that kind of a relationship with our patients mm. and and you know so um and i think that as nurses he gives us discernment um absolutely when and when not to
0: okay mm-hmm. Yeah, and that awareness of when patients need someone else to step in and assist them in a spiritual matter. Because not everyone needs that, you know. Spirituality, at least in the Christian sense, is a direct communication between a person and God. And we don't always need someone else to talk about that with on a daily basis necessarily so that's really enlightening so what are three primary ways a nurse could meet the spiritual needs of their patients
2: well i think first and foremost pray for them without approaching them you know when you when you first um meet them when you first start taking care of them um ask God for direction and discernment and, and how, to <clears throat> how to approach their care mm. and how to approach them as far as he's concerned.
0: So asking God to bless your interaction before you even start uh, that interpersonal communication. Right. Wow. I I don't think I've ever done that in my practice. I guess, uh, you know, I get to work and I get so busy and caught up in... My duties Mm -hmm. that I forget often. Paul says, you know, pray without ceasing. And that's exactly what you're saying is find those moments to ask God to be a part of your daily interaction with your patients. Mm
1: -hmm. Great advice. I think it can be a little hard to gauge if my patient even has spiritual needs because Mm -hmm. we don't always know right off the bat. You know, they're coming there for medical problems. We often don't know what their religious preference is, if any, if they have any type of, like, spiritual or religious relationship to God or, you know, whoever they might believe in. So it's hard, hard to gauge if they even have that need. But if I feel, if I am gauging that they do, then I just try to be, um, I don't know, just try to pick up on it and, um, like respect whatever beliefs they might have or. um, Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? (laughs) It
0: does. And I guess I would ask what, um, methods have you come up with to kind of pick up on whether a patient has spiritual needs?
1: I think the most obvious is like if their family. So, for example, in the ICU, a lot of the times the patient is going to be like intubated and sedated, so they're going to be like on the ventilator and they can't talk. And so, in that case, the family's there. And if I if I see that they're like praying or like bringing up God and in, in their conversations and stuff, okay. it helps me mm-hmm. like relate to them more and maybe i don't know just it's kind of like i can bond with them a little bit more like spiritually yeah and because you know because i get it and i believe the same thing they do in that regard so i can be like both the nurse and kind of like
0: spiritual support
1: kind of like yeah kind of like a spiritual support and like agree with them because you know like or if they say certain things like you know, God is in control and like stuff like that. I can I can be like, yeah, like, you know, agree with them and like um So you're picking, be a part of that conversation more. So okay. yeah, yeah. You're
0: picking up on environmental cues, it mm-hmm. sounds like mm-hmm. their actions, their conversation maybe with family members or friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe if you even see a Bible in the room that you know is theirs, not one provided by the facility. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really good point.
1: Yeah. And even like, interestingly, like end of life, um, end of life situations, you know, I've had patient or families of the patient who's passing away. Cause you know, it's always, we never really know when someone's going to pass away, you know, at, at those very last moments, it could be like, Minutes, hours, or days, right? And I've had like a couple times patients feel like, you know, it's it, when they go, it's between them and God, and you know, I agree with that because, like, as medical professionals, we don't know exactly when they're yeah. actually gonna pass away, and so I don't know. In moments like that, I can just just bond with them more and just like reaffirm that because I I have that in common with them, so yeah, sure. it just it just makes me feel like I can, like you said, be like. A nurse and kind of a bit of a sort of spiritual support for them, which I think is what they need in those moments.
0: Yeah. You can, you know, if they're of the same faith as a, a if they're a Christian, you can bring that, you're can essentially bring the church to them mm-hmm. because the church is the people and they may not be able to meet with their normal congregation or, or church body, but you can, be there to provide a little bit of that support, it sounds like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic.
1: I think it gives them hope too. Like in a strange way, even though, you know, their loved one is, is passing away, it gives them that hope. The hope that we have as Christians, you know, that yeah. there's more to this life, that they're, that God is still there, you know, all of those things that we believe, it kind of just, I don't know, it's, it's very, very sad to be in those moments, but at the sure. same time, I feel like it can, I can provide a bit of Assurance by comfort. sharing, comfort, yeah, sharing his nice beliefs and comfort,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so that's bringing a personal touch to your role as a nurse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. In the article I read, Gene Watson also emphasizes <clears throat> fostering a caring relationship with patients, and that sounds like exactly what Brianna was describing. Uh, working to be more than just a medication mule or whatever <laughs> informal terms you want to use to describe, you know, nurses' hurried pace. Okay. Um, considering nurses and most caregivers are always short on time, what are some strat- s- strategies someone could use to better foster a caring relationship with their
2: patients well something that I learned through my career is being present mm-hmm. just being present and not only present but treat them like they are the only person that matters at that moment Wow that your your time is their time and and that there are no distractions I mean there's always distractions yeah but being able to Allow them to feel like that they are the most important person in your moment mm. uh, means a whole lot. Even, even if it's only five minutes, mm. if you can be present and just have them feel like that you are there because you want to be there and you're there for them.
1: Yeah.
0: That human element. Mm-hmm. Mm. Making them feel like they're human and not just a, a job.
2: Or, or a disease. Or a
0: disease. Mm. <laughs> wow. Excellent.
1: I try to, um, just be very, like, educational because when you go into the hospital, especially when you're critically ill, you have all these terms being thrown around. And even me as a nurse, you know, I have, like, a higher understanding than, like, most, you know, lay people, obviously. And, you know, sometimes when doctors or other specialists come in and they, they talk and they say all these things and they leave, I have questions as a nurse and I'm like, wait a minute, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I just, and so I can only imagine like the, um, the patients and their families and like all the information overload. Like, first of all, do they understand the terminology? Probably not in some cases. Secondly, what are all these medications you're going to be putting me on and therapies? And so I try to be like very, um, like providing rationale for things like, okay, this medication, this is for your AFib and, or like this procedure is going to be for this. And just like any questions that they have, just like provide clarity and just like really like educate them so they know what's going on and helps calm them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I try to Healthy. Try to do that, like, as I'm working.
0: <laughs> be the interpreter of all the medical yeah. jargon.
2: and just add be an advocate. I was about mm-hmm. to say, yeah. be their advocate. Yeah. Because wow. a lot of people don't know, don't yeah. even know the questions to ask. Exactly,
1: yeah. Or they might forget. There's so or much information. Forget. And mm-hmm. so, like, the nurse is there, you know, all day. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, we just help them remember
2: and keep things straight. I remember as being a patient on the patient side of it. Okay. And um, a doctor telling me something that wasn't real good news. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality of it is your brain can only take so much information and then it shuts down. True. So you may not hear everything that the doctor said or you might have Misread what the doctor was communicating to you. So it's, it's important that as nurses, we go back and say, now, did you understand everything the doctor said? Mm -hmm. And if you didn't, what don't you understand? And if we don't have the answers, then we know that we can call the doctor and say, this patient has, still has questions. That they need a little more information for. Wow. And we don't feel comfortable giving that information. Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: And I think by doing that, you establish a rapport with the patient and they, they come to really appreciate that because you were the one who cared enough to explain all these things, who cared enough to, you know, reach back out to the team if they had further questions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, that's always stuck out to me, you know, if I've ever you know on the patient side, I've, I've, I always remember the ones that like take the time to explain things or, yeah, make sure they answer all my questions, yeah, and stuff like that.
0: So. Yeah, that's really good experience, Barbara. I think most of us in the medical profession have never been on the receiving side as a patient, at least not in the hospital. You know, there there comes a point in your life where you're more likely to be a patient, but for most of us. You know, we've never had that experience. And so trying to put yourself in their shoes, uh, is a really good, uh, idea. It sounds like, how would I want the doctors, the nurses, the surgeons to treat me really helps to Mm -hmm. personalize how you should act towards others? and how you can better foster a caring relationship with them. Excellent points. So, Gene Watson's theory has a lot of good points. So, I'm going to link that article I read in the show notes for the listeners. So, now I want to move on to my next question. Uh, What questions could someone ask their patients to find out how they can support them spiritually?
2: That's kind of tricky. In, in today's world. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, because um, people don't necessarily want... If they are not tending towards Christianity, mm-hmm. they don't want to be bothered. Yeah. And so it's a very fine line that you, you walk. And, you know, I think, once again, I, I'm a firm believer in prayer. Yeah. I believe that you have not because you ask not. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been retired for a few years, but in today's world, I think I would probably put it to prayer. Hmm. And Sounds ask, like great advice. And, it, and, it, and ask God if if this person needs, you know, to talk about their spiritual beliefs, then allow that to happen. Okay. Let that, you know, that conversation happen. Yeah. And he will.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Being, just being open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit is super important. Would it be appropriate to ask a question such as, how are you doing spiritually? Or how are you doing emotionally?
1: I think so. I was just going to say, I'm pretty forward. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, gauge the room, but for me at least, not so much in research, but you know, at the bedside, if someone's crying, either if they're going through a lot or had a devastating diagnosis or maybe a lot of family issues, like just ask like, Hey, are you, are you doing okay? Do you want me to call a chaplain? Do you, do you just want to talk to somebody? And I don't know, I guess in, in my mind, I don't think that's a very offensive or loaded type of question because you're asking for their permission if they want that, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I, I don't, I would ask, you know, everybody in the world that if they're, you know, fine and just...
0: No, but I think it can depend on their cultural background, Mm -hmm. partly, and also even their generation. You know, you and I are of the same generation, Brianna, and we tend to be more... Forward
1: mm-hmm. about the emotions, emotions especially, the, yeah.
0: the softer side, softer mm-hmm, topics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, than someone yeah. from, say, my grandparents' generation.
1: Yeah, like baby boomers or like veterans, exactly. like very, like, more stoic and stuff. Yeah. Right.
0: So, yeah, just kind of gauging the room, like you said,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is very important.
1: Yeah.
0: Excellent. So, if you realize your patient is in a spiritual crisis or maybe they say something like God is punishing me or I feel like God's angry at me, what would be a constructive way to respond?
2: Why do you feel that way? Hmm. What, what, what has brought you to that conclusion? Then allowed them to verbalize. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. That is a good answer. I've, I've actually had that statement made, um, Mm -hmm. upon entering the room, uh, a couple times by patients who were just in a dark place. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was one of the first things out of their mouth after I introduced myself. And a couple times I just felt at a loss for words because you know, maybe I'd never encountered that before, and so I wasn't sure how to handle that situation. But just asking more questions and probing where those feelings are coming from, even though I may not have much time, um, would at least give them a chance to vent their feelings a little bit. I guess. So exactly. I like I like that point. What other ways could you help your patient? You know, point them. To the spiritual support that they might find if you know that their background, if you know their religious background and you sense that they're in some sort of spiritual, maybe it's not a full blown crisis, but they're struggling spiritually. You know, being in the hospital for several days makes anyone, uh, crazy, crazy or <laughs> tired or Doubtful, overwhelmed, overwhelmed, maybe even some anxiety and depression. So are there any simple ways that you could think of to help your patient, you know, point them back to their spiritual supports that they normally lean on in their life?
2: Well, once again, you can you can ask, you know, or just say, would you like to pray about?" Mm hmm.
1: This, this wasn't something that I, um, put in action, but it, I've seen family members kind of, um, propel this forward. But I've had patients, um, that the family members would put on like gospel music on their little iPhones and yeah, have it right next too. to their pillow. Um, which is really cute and really sad because that patient wasn't doing well at all. But, and you know, just, I see you. I see you. Yeah. That's
0: fascinating.
1: And just allowing the patient to, and I, I feel like hospitals are pretty like, you know, open-minded and will allow this kind of thing, but, you know, whatever faith they have, like I've had um, a patient who is Muslim and so they had their own like, um, like oils and, okay. and like, like little, I don't know, like a little piece of paper with like prayers on it mm-hmm. or something, but it was definitely like incorporate like um incorporated into their belief that that bringing objects from home and like saying certain prayers and And stuff and we would just allow it yeah exactly we would just you know like kind of work around it and stuff like that you know just kind of let them have their um their time with the patient and you know with other things too like bibles um recordings you know as long as you're not like bringing in candles and, like, lighting, lighting <laughs> them next to their oxygen or something like true, true. that. True, true. But, yeah, I feel like people are pretty, um, like, okay with, with patients and families bringing stuff in. Yeah. That as long as it doesn't interfere with, like, patient care or health.
0: Would, um, say, you walk into a room and you see a Bible or maybe a Quran or something, and just taking a moment while you're scanning their medications to say... Hey, can you look up and share with me your favorite text? Mm. I've
2: never thought of that actually. No, I had neither.
0: Yeah. No. I haven't either. I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it might be a little weird for me to do it now since I work in research, like, True. But
0: depends on your setting, I'm sure. You may not do that. Or are you setting along either. that same
2: line, you know, if they're in the ICU, mm-hmm. maybe offer to read oh. something Aww. to them. Um, from whatever, the Quran or from the Bible or, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. goes back to that caring relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like it. Um, In one of my conversations previously, someone mentioned a good practice is to pray for your patients at home. Maybe if you have a prayer journal or a prayer list. So if I keep a list of people I'm praying for at home, how can I be sure to maintain HIPAA guidelines when I make my list? Initials. Oh, Mm
2: -hmm. Use initials.
0: Okay. That's easy.
2: And then maybe some, like a couple of words that will help you remember who that is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a great idea. Because sometimes I have a hard time remembering all my patients' names and everything, so I like that initials.
2: That's really useful.
1: I feel like if maybe you you store it in like the notes app on your phone, and your phone has a password or something, okay. I feel like you would be okay because yeah. only you can can look at it.
0: Yeah, that's so, another good idea. Yeah. To keep it locked up. <laughs> encrypted encrypted. <laughs> yep, yep Excellent So it sounds like um, A lot of this Comes back to Just caring Going The extra step To Be a caring person Being a good patient Advocate like you brought up Really makes a huge difference in the experience your patients have while they're encounter, you know, having these interactions with the medical field. Is that fair?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Excellent. My last question for you um, is: What are some ways a nurse or any healthcare worker could seek to meet the spiritual needs of their coworkers?
2: Well, I volunteered in a clinic one time where it came to be common knowledge that we were all very spiritual people. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning of each day, we would start with prayer before we opened the doors. Really? And, um, it was amazing because a lot of things were going on in everybody's life. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, one of the nurses had a miscarriage. Oh. Another another one of them had a, a horrible accident. They walked away from it, but their wow. car was totaled. Okay. You know, and it was just we just found that just starting the day, each day, you know, we knew that what was gonna happen was going to happen. But we wanted each other to know that we were there for yeah. each other. Wow.
0: Yeah. I don't normally have any idea of the real personal things that are going on in the lives of my coworkers. You know, it's not necessarily because I'm different from everybody. No one really talks about their personal lives at work. Perhaps because I work in a large hospital and there's a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a really great idea. Getting to know your, your coworkers and, and praying for them.
2: I mean, everybody was touched in that clinic. That was what was so amazing to me. A a woman, her daughter, was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and she died. Wow. Um, My husband died while I was volunteering there at the clinic. Not while I was there at the clinic, but while I was a volunteer at the clinic. I mean, each one of us had something that happened in our lives that we needed each other's support
0: yeah so you weren't just a spiritual support for your co-workers they were also a spiritual support for you mm-hmm. hmm. wow that's really um enlightening because you know i don't usually think of my co-workers as that intimate
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know i really none of my co-workers are friends with me outside of work, but I haven't been working for very long either, so <laughs> that's part of it. But that's a really cool idea that you know, just being open and and vulnerable and getting to know your coworkers enough that you become you're able to support each other in tough times.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like that you were able to find an environment that way, like that, because I think I'm uh, similar to your environment, David, because. I don't really know if my coworkers are religious or spiritual, you know, like I just don't know them that well and yeah. it's not really talked about in the workplace and
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I've talked about it to certain ones that like I know a little bit more, um, like they know that I go to church and that I'm an agonist and that God's a big part of my life, but I don't really know details about their spiritual life and stuff, yeah. so...
0: So yeah, just praying for each other is, is very important. Well, these are all, uh, fantastic ideas. I've, I've learned so much in this conversation. Thank you, Barbara and Brianna for taking time out of your day to come and sit down with me.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Hey, it's David again. If you haven't done so yet, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen through. Check out the show notes for more resources. Next episode, I will sit down and talk with a licensed mental health counselor. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep serving, keep healing, keep praying.